it's an episode out of time. Yeah, it is an episode out of time. If you're new to Cortex, what it means is we recorded this episode in advance, much more in advance than we usually do. We'll get right. into why later on, but that what that means is uh, things get a bit weird. Is <laughs> what what happens because there's especially where we are right now. Mm. There's like stuff coming up, yeah. and this episode will be released either after or during those things. And it would make sense that we would talk about them on the show, but we can't because we needed to record this one uh, a couple of weeks earlier than usual. Yeah. Episode out of time to me is defined by the future past tense of speaking. Yep. Right. We will have, right? Yes. That's what that's what an episode out of time is. We will have had done this thing. <laughs> well, I, here we go then. <laughs> if you want to get into this, uh, we will have had an incredible poster made for this episode. Uh, yeah, well, maybe. So it's actually the imperfect future past tense. Maybe we will have had an incredible poster made. We don't know because the poster will have to relate to the contents of the show, which as we're recording, we have no idea what that's going to be and if the poster will come out well. <laughs> incredible artist Siege Rowland, who I've used before for my PodCon posters. Yeah. He's working, will be working, have worked on this art for us, but cannot start for another three days from today. Mm -hmm. So we have no idea what it's going to be like, but I expect it's going to be great. The poster is going to be an awesome Rio heist. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And it is one of these funny things of like, oh yes, we will be trying this out and seeing if we can make a fun poster for the episode. And we don't know. Although, of course, if you're hearing this now, Future Us has decided to keep this part in. So there definitely is a link. But if you're hearing this, it has happened. Or will happen. Yeah, or it will happen. If it doesn't happen, this won't be in the show. And if you are still hearing this, it's because you're spying on us in some creepy way. Yep. That's episode out of time. <laughs> Real heist. <laughs> All right, so why are we doing this? Why have we created this terrible time paradox for ourselves? I think it's mostly my fault, but also you were very willing to go along with it. Yeah, this is one of those classic, Gray has a problem, Mike is very happy with the solution. Yeah, so you you are in the world of podcast-a-thon planning. That's, that's what your life looks like right now. Oh, there's, there's like, I mean, knee-deep in podcast-a-thon planning with an, at the time of recording imminent announcement of an iphone event right which looks most likely to me right now to be occurring in the week of the podcast-a-thon perfect timing is it uh, it feels like a tough time it's a rough tough time for me but hey we're gonna make it work and it will help content for the podcast-a-thon anyway because we'll have iphones to talk about but we in the coming days i'm gonna start breaking down my studio Mm -hmm. to start setting up the gazebo again, the balloon room, and also setting up kind of a, a new and improved um, video recording setup for this year's podcast-a-thon. So that, that's kind of what I've got on my radar right now. What's new and improved? What are you doing? I have better lighting and better cameras and stuff like that than last year, Just hmm. that, which is basically all stuff that I've amassed over the last year of doing Twitch streaming and stuff. Ah, okay. So I'm able to repurpose all the gear that I've been like using to make my Twitch streams better into this. And I've got my big, fast gaming PC, which is going to help big time. I'm in a better kind of like equipment space than I was last year. Because plus, mm. if you remember, trying to buy lights in July and August of 2020 
or cameras was really hard. Oh, right, yes. Because everyone was buying them for their home working Zoom situation. Right. There were no extension cords to be found no. anywhere. It was so difficult. I was like significantly overpaid just for a Logitech webcam because <laughs> I needed one. So all of that, that stuff, it's all a bit easier to procure this time and get everything set up. And I've been kind of like adding to my knowledge of how mm-hmm. to do good video streaming or halfway good video streaming stuff over the last year. So... I think I should be in a in a much better position. I got a ring light. Oh wow, you're a yeah. real beauty vlogger now, Mike. I know it's going to be amazing. I look, I look forward to seeing that ring of light in your eyes. I know it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> Get some real zooms going on. Yeah, so we're uh, <laughs> we got a lot going on. The the podcastathon. In case you don't know what that is, it is an eight hour stream that we're going to be doing to raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. We'll talk about that a little later on in the episode. But the podcast-a-thon itself is going to be occurring on the 17th of September from 12 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. we got a lot going on there, and uh, it's at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. So I'm setting up for that. And just in general right now, my schedule is bananas. We're doing a bunch of like extra streams and stuff as we hit fundraising goals throughout the campaign. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing one basically as soon as we finish recording today, uh, which I'm sure is going to go great. You've got a long day ahead of you. I, yeah, I feel man. rough for you after you know doing a Cortex episode and then going right into a live stream. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. You're a real hero. I actually feel like I'm a little hoarse today. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I can hear it in my voice a little bit. So. This is just a busy time. There's definitely been some better like planning this year because we would usually be coming straight off of our member specials in August. Right. So this is one of the reasons we moved those earlier. And I will tell you right now, I am feeling the benefit of that. Yeah. The only way that this month could be worse is if you moved the member episodes into September. If you said, oh, we're going to do member episodes. Some of them were because they take, (laughs) you know, some of them would take a while to make. And I was definitely doing some in September in previous years. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. So we spaced things out a bit. But as is very normal, we gave ourselves more space and then put more stuff in. So. You know, it's just like it it was a free space. We just got got a lot going on. September is Mike's busy season. So I think that that's part of the reason when I suggested to you, hey, can we record as early in the month as mm-hmm. we possibly can you were you were very on very board into with it that. oh yeah because this is the, at the moment this is me at my best you're getting me mm-hmm. at my best even though it's not as good as normal <laughs> this is the <laughs> you're getting me at the best i can give you <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you mike i, I, I appreciate that <laughs> but there was an inciting event though right like it, you you're doing something yeah my inciting event is that i am finally going to be traveling internationally and so i view this as the end of my horrible summer swamp of uncertainty that has been really miserable for the past several months of playing this game of trying to delay travel or like time travel to be in between covid waves time travel (laughs) if you could time travel around covid my friend i would appreciate it (laughs) we're really leaning into the lore of this episode out with time great time travel i have have no idea um just talking and you say weird words sometimes that's so good like i'm trying to time the travel between covid waves but whatever (laughs) see now we're leaning into the creation of the poster now right okay this is how that works okay so time travel can be a theme of it fantastic Uh (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so like i said what what feels like a lifetime ago i think 
maybe in the last themed episode, I was like, I will not let this year go without seeing my family. Like, I just refuse. So this is part of what's what's ending up happening is I'm going to travel to see some friends with a thing that we've arranged. It took us months and months to try to arrange. And then after that, going to America and I'm going to see my family. And very quickly, that ends up just taking a an entire, like the last three weeks of the month up. And I was like, sure, I can theoretically podcast from the road, but I would just really rather not if there's any way that we can do it in the first week. Uh, and so that, that's why I was like, I know, I know normally we would do it later, but I don't want to be trying to set up a podcast little studio at my parents' house if I don't absolutely have to. We've done it before. Many times, but not for a long time. Yeah. And also, plus, this is one of those cases where, especially now, I'd rather not take an afternoon out while I'm with my parents for a Cortex recording if it doesn't really need to happen since I haven't seen them in so long at this point in time. I would feel pretty guilty in (laughs) requesting that you take time away from your family during that. Like, I would feel pretty rough if I (laughs) come on (laughs) I really need to record the show (laughs) yeah Yeah, so I wouldn't feel good about that yeah so it it worked out for both of us that we're able to record it but it does make it a bit weird because you have all of the biggest events in your whole year which we would normally talk about I'm going to be releasing a video very soon and it's like oh we would normally talk about that but it's not like it hasn't actually happened yet so it's our episode out of time which I feel like we do just about every year. There's at least one, so. It's always around this time of year. <laughs> Summer of Grey, you know, this is how it goes. Uh, how are you feeling about making the big trip to America? Um, I'm a little uncertain. Uh, I definitely have had this feeling of I don't have any idea what even to pack anymore. Yeah. I'm going to be trying to do a gear minimum version of this trip, which is also why I didn't want to record a podcast on the road if I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, I guess maybe the way it feels is I I think I used to be a lot more anxious about travel years and years ago. And then as the amount of travel in my life increased, I got less anxious about it and it became more of a routine sort of thing. And I think now I'm I'm feeling like I did years ago with just the uncertainty of everything, especially with all of the COVID restrictions. Like it could very well be that all of this gets canceled if a COVID test goes wrong. And I, and I feel like oh, I hate God, I yes. hate I that kind of stuff. Of that. Yeah, that there is a little swab that decides whether all this is happening or not, and, and the, the outcome of that swab at any point during the many times you need to take one, yeah, could change everything. Yeah, I think I, 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 according to the current plan, I need to do three COVID swabs or four before I can have the full green light to see my parents with the way the travel's working out. Mm-hmm. And I just hate that. Mm-hmm. I really hate the uncertainty of yeah, that. It's rough. I haven't done the first test yet. I think I'm, I think I'm doing it in a couple of days. But yeah, so I, I feel like this has brought back in all of this feeling of uncertainty around travel that I just don't like. So I felt this. Mm-hmm. I felt this too. So we, we spoke a little bit in the last Mortex episode about the fact that I had taken a trip to see some family in Bucharest. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that you're explaining this now too is, is kind of hit on a thing for me. Now, you know, me and you were business travelers, right? We would travel many times a year for business, right? Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you establish rhythms and you become comfortable with it. I think 
what COVID has done, I expect, for many people who are in similar situations to us is knock away all of the benefit. Like, I remember what it was like when I used to travel before I traveled regularly and how, like, I was uncertain about everything. I was nervous about everything. I didn't know how it was going to go, what papers mm-hmm. do I need to bring. I'm back in that. What COVID has done and the amount of time it's been since we traveled frequently and we've just added uncertainty has basically mm. removed all of the benefit that I'd gained for being a frequent traveler. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And I'm now back to where I was in 2014 or whatever. Yeah. Like, like I've had this anxiety about this stuff is, is so in the UK, you need to get this international pass for proving that you've been vaccinated. And I have spent three weeks attempting to get this pass in time of, of like, oh, you can order it and they'll send one to your house and it doesn't. Or you can try to verify it through your phone and you can get a copy, but the verification doesn't work. And so I've, I've had this like slowly increasing level of anxiety of, oh, I'm doing this three weeks in advance. So I've got plenty of time to get this, this one like Soviet style travel document that I need to leave the country. Papers, please. Yes, exactly. And like, oh, great, I've got plenty of time. And it's like, oh, a week later, it hasn't arrived. Okay, well, I'll submit it again. A week later, it hasn't arrived. Okay, I'm going to try to do it this other way. And as I've mentioned before on the show, there is some problem with my particular NHS records that constantly flags up these weird issues. And so I was trying to do everything just purely electronically and getting these bizarre messages where they're like, oh, you don't seem to be registered with the NHS. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> Like, please just give me this piece of paper so I can travel. Yeah, I actually just got it yesterday, but I was literally minutes away from resorting to begging on Twitter. Like, is there anyone oh, in boy. my followers? Oh, boy, it got bad. That's what it you got, know it's It got bad. really bad. Yeah. But I was like. I am very close to, to doing this, to be like, does anyone on Twitter work at the NHS technical support to like fix whatever this problem is so that I can fly out in three days? Like I've spent three weeks trying to get this stupid piece of paper and I've just run into all of these. Like that to me is really what travel used to feel like. Yes. Everything is this one off. You don't know how it's going to go. And also with travel, it's like, it's why you get to the airport way early, because you never know what the variance and delays are going to be like. And this is what this felt like of like, oh, great. I started three weeks ahead of time. I thought I had more than enough time. And I actually made it with three days to spare, which is way too close for comfort to get this piece of paper. Yeah, like I agree with all of the reasons for having this documentation, right? Like I, I think proof of vaccination for travel, I think makes a lot of sense. And it can help make things easier for you on the other side, right? But it doesn't take away the fact that it is an increasingly and incredibly complicated procedure. Yeah. And when it doesn't work right, then what are you going to do, right? Yeah. And, you know, the other level of anxiety is, you know, so I'm going to Europe first before I'm then traveling straight to America and just trying to work the logistics of getting a COVID test in time to be able to take the flights. And it's like, oh, I'm in a slightly remote area, so this is difficult. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all very anxiety-producing. So I cannot say that I am 
loving getting ready for travel. Yeah, I'm still not sure why you're doing this on like medium to hard mode. You know, like I know that there's things you want to do, but stacking trips together just seems like you're making things way harder for yourself. I know that I am, but it's there's two things here. One of which is stacking trips together allows me to go to America sooner. So that's something I would like to do. Fair enough. The other thing is I just want to try to minimize time at airports. So I, I, yep. that's my main thing. Is, that all seems fair. I mean, I get yeah. I get it, but it's still like it's harder. It, it is harder. Um, I'm not again, I'm not that worried about being on the actual plane. That's not my primary source of concerns. But mm-hmm. I just think if I can just spend less time at the airport, that would be fantastic. But th- this is also where I, you know, I don't know what odds to give it, but... I don't know. I would I would say there's like maybe a 50-50 chance that I have to come back to the UK anyway before going back to America. I don't know. So like we'll we'll have to see. But that's exactly the kind of stuff you just don't want with travel. With travel I want it nice and certain so you don't yeah. have to worry. Yeah. That's that's where I currently am. I will feel much better when I get four, three or four green lights from COVID tests and I'm able to fly to America. Good luck. Thank you. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to need it. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Setup. Getting things done is a challenge that we all struggle with. One way to tackle it is to make sure that you have the right tools for you and your computer. And this means having the right apps. This is something that every Cortex listener can understand. Setapp is on a mission to help users get more done. With Setapp, there's no more worrying about having to search for apps to solve a problem because Setapp packs over 200 apps for your Mac and your iPhone into one. That's an app for almost any task so you can stay in your flow and finish what you started so you can think about your tasks, not having to search the whole internet to find certain apps. What I love about Setapp is that it includes, it is a bundle of a bunch of your very favorite applications. Some of mine, like Bartender, Timing, MindNode, and CleanShot X, they're all available with a Setapp subscription. So you can go in, they categorize everything really easily, and you can just choose what apps you want to download, and you have access to them. And apps that have companions for iOS, you get access for those as well. It really is a fantastic value, and it's also incredibly convenient as well. Instead of paying for hundreds or even thousands of dollars for separate licenses for applications. There's just one flat monthly fee. New apps are added to Setup regularly. Updates are free and they're all the full featured pro versions of those applications. So you're not getting like a watered down version. You're getting the full thing. Go to setup.com and you can try Setup out for free for a week. If you like it, it's just $9.99 a month and you get access to those hundreds of applications. That's setapp.com, setup.com. A thanks to Setup for their support of this show and Relay FM. Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. <laughs> let's do it again. Come on, let's do it again. I want to do it again. Oh, yeah? You want to, you want to have that conversation I want, to have a, I want to do over. We really worked ourselves up in that conversation. Oh that, that was a funny one to listen back to yeah. in the editing bay. We got upset, huh? Yeah, I, I was really surprised at how worked up I got during the show. We were, I mean, the thing was we were riling each other up. Because yes. we both hit upon things that we didn't like about the book, and then finding somebody else to complain about, we were just like <laughs> we we were whipped up into a storm. It was one of those yeah. things where you know you always say this, and I and I get it sometimes, but this was definitely an episode where I'm listening back, and I'm like, I'd love another go on that. 
because <laughs> I could feel my point in some of the stuff that I was trying to say, but I know I didn't get it across just right. But not in such a way that honestly I feel like it's necessary for me to clarify now. I'm happy with the episode, but there are just points where it's like when you hear yourself say it, I wished that everybody that was going to hear me say this thing, I could see their faces when I said it. Right, right. So I could gauge if my point had been understood. And that's just the the risk that you make when you create things for people to hear. Yeah. Well, and also I think it's very clear that we also sound riled up. Right. Like, like mm-hmm. you can just hear the riling up increasing. And so I do think that helps in people's listening. Mm-hmm. It was just very funny. Like, I didn't realize how annoyed I was at the book until we started talking to each other. And they were like, rah, this is terrible. <laughs> but one thing I do just want to say at first, I feel like there was just a fantastic discussion in the Reddit about that episode. I feel yes. like it was a really great discussion on all parts. I like, greatly valued it. Yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting to read. I think it was also just a great case where people, clearly disagreed with each other but everyone was being civil about it Mm -hmm. and it's like oh you know but this we're arguing it from this side or from that side so i really enjoyed the conversation in the reddit from that last episode i greatly value when somebody can disagree with me and i can be frustrated that they disagreed with me but know that they're right yeah you know, like, because it's like, no, you didn't, you didn't understand this point correctly. Or like, mm-hmm. I understand that you're upset, but you have misunderstood the fundamental issue of what he was trying to get across. And it's like, mm. I'm still annoyed at what I've read, like in the book. And mm-hmm. I'm annoyed that someone has been able to show me where I'm wrong, but I appreciate it because I can understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's because there was like a lot of people saying like, what well, some of the stuff I was getting the most upset about was exact examples of what kind of one was trying to point out my system one was making me mad mm-hmm. and that was the point and i still stand by the fact of like okay i understand that but i don't think he explained himself very well <laughs> and so you know like this was the kind of conversation that was going on in the subreddit i know that we both really enjoyed it and i mm. loved how many people you got to introduce the replication crisis to <laughs> i have had people like in my life tell me about that like that they first heard about it on the show like in this last episode and it's freaking them out oh yeah 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 I, me and my wife Adina, had a great discussion about it because i was telling her about it on the night we were recording and not doing a very good job mm-hmm. of explaining the point and, and she was like, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. And then when she heard the episode, she's like, oh, yeah, no, this, is, this sounds terrible. <laughs> 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 you know, because she, she was in the camp of like, no, nah, there's no way. There's no way what? Like, what does she mean by there's no way? As in like, there's no way that journals would publish stuff that wasn't thoroughly researched. Right, you know? right, right. Just because our brains, I think, like to believe that there's just no way that would happen. Yeah, I think there's... um. <sighs> I don't know how to express this in a way. I, can't, I, th- I think I said this in the last episode. I'm very cautious about you don't want to encourage people to become cynical about everything. I think a cynical and reflexive disbelieving in things is worse than a credulous believing in everything. Like I think there's a way in which that can be much worse. And sometimes when you talk about these things, it's very easy to give the impression that everything published is totally wrong and that's you know that's not what i'm saying here but i say that as preface to the sentence where partly because of replication crisis and partly because of the work that i do on videos and things i want to kind of express this idea very delicately that things like books and journals for me have totally lost a certain shine that they used to have when i was younger where you'd be like oh this book it's full of knowledge and 
now my feeling is a lot more like, oh, this book, it was written by a person, you know, like a person. All these books were written by a person. And it's not like the book is this thing that has knowledge. Like, no, no, like a person wrote this book. I know people who write books and I just look at it very differently in this way that's a little bit hard to articulate. And that also translates to these papers and journals that get published. It's like, Mm -hmm. yes, it's a scientist who's publishing this or a social scientist who's publishing this, but they're a person, right? It's, It's not true. It's not automatically true that this is, this is the case, but I'm sometimes just hesitant to express this idea too much because I think people can trip over into cynicism too fast. I think we put weight in the idea of something sometimes too heavily. Like, yeah, this is science. Okay. Right. Like, you know, like this is science. So it must be true. It's science. Yeah. I really like, I don't want to get off on a tangent on this, but I, I feel like over the last 10 years, I've just gotten really sad with the way people use the word science. Right. I've heard this word to describe it, which is like scientism, which describes the way that people talk about science as someone who did a bachelor's in physics a long time ago. It's just, I don't know, it, there's something about it that really breaks my heart in the way that it's just become another one of these, like, you have to believe what I'm saying. Like, this is science. Like, oh... Did you like, did you look at that paper that you're pointing to? It's terrible. (laughs) You know, this isn't a word that just wins an argument that says that you're right. But it's like, how do you express that idea without also unintentionally tearing down the entirety of our knowledge making institutions? I don't know a, a way to properly thread that needle sometimes. And also, like I was trying to express last time, that it's very different depending on which fields you're talking about. It's not equally applicable to everything. There's more problems in some areas than in other areas. But yeah, so (laughs) the other thing that I thought was just interesting timing on the part of the universe was between when we recorded that episode and when we published that episode, there was another huge researcher who got wrapped up in the replication crisis, which is Dan Ariely. And he's been doing work for 10 years about honesty and like a bunch of studies about honesty in the social sciences. And it came, it came out while we were editing this, like, let's just put it this way. There are some doubts about the veracity of this data about honesty. So it's really kicked up a lot of conversation again about the replication crisis and what's going on. I know you, you were you were particularly excited to send me that link. <laughs> like I could feel it. You're like, it's happening again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just it's further example, Mike, that my attention directs the actions of the universe. It's like, oh, of course this happens right now. Why wouldn't That's it? That's an interesting view <laughs> to have. I think a lot of this stuff, we'll get back to it in a minute, but like a lot of this stuff, hmm. it, it underlines like a thought that I've had since I was kind of like a late teen and not enjoying math anymore. Mm-hmm. And the thing I used to struggle with quite a bit, and I still do to an extent, which is everything we know has been explained by and codified by other humans. Mm-hmm. And humans make mistakes, sometimes purely based on the maximum amount of technology they have available to them. And as technology develops, we learn new things which invalidate the previous way that we thought about something. Mm -hmm. So if we base our truth on other human discoveries, 
It's only waiting until the next discovery is made to invalidate that previous truth. And I find that very troubling (laughs) as a thought. Yeah. Like I think about the best example for me is like medicine and the way that we treated things 100 years ago, 20 years ago, to the way that we treat certain things now. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff where it's like, well, we thought we were doing the right thing because that was what we had discovered. But it turns out that there was a different thing or it was the wrong thing the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I have a little bit of a different take on this. Mm -hmm. And this is that idea that you're expressing is actually the idea that I am concerned about being too deep in people. Yeah. And it's because, again, I know the social science people hate this, but you have to suck it up for a minute that your field is terrible and doesn't replicate. And medicine has a bunch of particular problems but in general the path of knowledge the more you get down towards the fundamental pieces of the universe the more it is like we are approaching building a model that represents what the universe is like and this is why like physics is really at the bottom of this where you can look at the history of physics and go, oh, yeah, there was the, there's the Copernican revolution, and then there's the Newtonian revolution, and then there's the Einsteinian revolution. And I think it's easy for people to get the idea in their heads that, oh, everything was wrong, and then Einstein came along, and now we think everything that Einstein said was right, and we're just waiting for the next person to come along, and then it's all going to get turned over again. But in the physical world, when we're talking about those kinds of changes in science, what we're actually talking about is very small changes in increasing edge cases of how does the physical universe work. And so, you know, Einstein comes along with his theory of general relativity. And sure, there's a way that you can say, oh, Newton's formulas of motion, they are now wrong but they're only wrong for objects that are approaching the speed of light, right? Which is something that Newton just totally couldn't have known about. And so Einstein and Newton completely agree on the physics of how do objects move at everyday speeds and everyday sizes. There's like a refinement that's gone on there. But lots of sciences are not like the physical sciences. And that's where there is this this difference. And I think Medicine is a particularly interesting case because for a huge period of history, basically until the Spanish influenza in about 1912, you could kind of say that all medicine was just random, ineffective guessing, like for the most part. Medical treatment was just a total roll of the dice before 1912. And In 1912, we then learned some very basic things about hygiene and the germ theory and communicable diseases and sanitation. And we've reaped huge rewards from that over time. And it's like, why did we reap rewards from that? Because what we learned about medicine represents the physical way that the world works. Like we have a better understanding of that. But some of the modern medicine stuff doesn't work out as well because you're trying to measure like very small effect sizes across large populations. Medicine is just an intrinsically messier field. It's a lot it's a lot harder to know certain kinds of things. The joke about this is always like, are eggs good for you? Are eggs bad for you, right? But 
if we were to discover, oh, there's there's definitely a measurable effect that eggs are bad for you, it doesn't like overturn. But we know washing hands is good. <laughs> like it's incredibly unlikely that we're going to discover at some point, oh, we were mm-hmm. just making a mistake about washing hands. And the reason it's unlikely we're going to make a mistake about that is because it's built on a physical model of how does the world work. Like we have evidence that germs exist. We we know the physics of why does soap kill germs? Why does it break cell walls down? Like we know all of these things. So you should be building up a stronger and stronger knowledge of how does the physical world work. But the further you get away from the physical world, the more you can be certain that the knowledge is uncertain. And that's what brings us to the social sciences, which are trying to study the interactions between humans, which while, yes, at core, humans are just made of atoms and atoms follow physical rules. It's like, yeah, that's great. It's technically true, but it's totally useless for talking about humans. So the way that we actually have to talk about how are humans uh, under these circumstances, when do humans lie? When do humans act greedy? When do humans cheat each other? Like all of these things that we study, the uncertainty there is just huge because you're not really dealing with a physical world system. And it's why it's sort of brutal to say, but particularly in the social sciences, it's like, oh, if Einstein went back in time and could talk to Newton, he could teach Newton a lot about physics that Newton would understand and go, wow, that's amazing. But if social scientists go back in time, they're they're really just going to have like an ideological argument with their predecessors. They, they're not going to have so much like a here's the improvement we have made in the the physical model of the universe argument so i do believe that there is great value to be found in this kind of work Mm -hmm. but it's the way that the conclusions are presented is the important part i think yeah so yeah part of the problem here as well is when you talk about the social world is it's people talking about the results so one of the things that i got a bit of criticism on on the last episode was why do you not get this angry at people for the business books that you read? Now, one, I feel like we do get angry at the business books, <laughs> but maybe don't try and like uh, fundamentally disagree with them and say you have no proof of this. The mm-hmm. reason that, that thinking fast and slow specifically perturbed me is that everything that was being posed in this book was being posed as science. Mm-hmm where typically in the books that we read, they are posed as somebody's opinion or things they have observed. Yeah. And they say, from these observations, I have drawn this conclusion, but they are not trying to suggest to me that it was done through a series of scientific experiments. And that makes a difference for me because now we're talking about in the effective executive is like here's a bunch of ideas that i've come from my experience which i Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing on a general level but in thinking fast and slow kahneman's saying to me i have scientifically observed this here is truth yeah and that distinction is important to me yeah i think it's like listening to people talk about productivity like it's something i enjoy doing listening to how people work but people when they talk that way like when we talk about that the sentence never ends with 
And that's why everyone should work the way I do. I feel like we're pretty good with that. Like we talk yeah. about what we like and what works for us. But I don't think we've ever said like, this is the way to do it. Like this is the app. This is the system. If you're not doing it this way, except for the theme system, of course, if you're not doing <laughs> it this way, it's all a mess for you and you right. won't make it work. But even the theme system is very flexible, right? On oh, purpose. That's the point of it, right? For this reason, because of, of our tastes, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why we don't, we, I've never defined like, uh, in this box, you write this. In this box, you write this. Because that's not how we work. Like, that's yeah. kind of the whole point. Because I bristled at so many of those things out there because they were trying to put me in boxes as if to say, like, your life will improve if you do it the exact way that we want you to. And I yeah. don't like that kind of stuff. But yeah. and, like, and I feel like as well, like, we have, I believe, shown over time with the way that we get our work done that we change. Mm-hmm. So we would never say, like, this is the only way to do it. And that's, I think, the main thing that frustrated me because I do feel like, as I say, I feel like there is value in the social sciences, but we need to understand that they are that they are flexible and much more opinionated than physical sciences. Yeah. I mean, I can't quite get behind that sentence because I feel like that's a sentence. If you write it down, I go, what, is that, what does that sentence mean? What is that sentence trying so let to me say? What I was trying to say there is I feel like, I feel like at least from my limited experience that say some of the stuff in Thinking Fast and Slow, he will observe something and then say, I believe it means this basically. But the I believe part is taken away. I'll give you a sentence that I highlighted last time and I was I was sad that we missed over it. Okay. <laughs> Kahneman has an amazing sentence. I think it's at the end of chapter four where he says, disbelief is not an option. These results are not made up, nor are they statistical flukes. You have no choice but to accept that the major conclusions of these studies are true. I hate that so much. Like that is... What a claim, man. What... Like, that, that, the reason that really stuck out to me is i thought you know i've i've had the experience of working with physicists who would not make a sentence that strong <laughs> yeah, it's like if you tell me this i am not going to believe you you have no choice but to accept that the major conclusions of these studies are true it's really it's quite it's amazing and considering everything that's happened since, that sentence is extra amazing for a bunch of reasons. But it's it's like we weren't just pulling out of nowhere. Kahneman is telling you, like, these things are true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you, you have no choice but to just go along with it. He literally says, disbelief is not an option. <laughs> it's just like... I've been in churches that wouldn't make that sentence, right? It's crazy. And I think, again, it's just like what annoys me is I've, t I've really taken something away from System 1 and System 2. Like over the last few weeks, it's been popping up. Like I've done a thing and I'm like, mm. that was a System 1 way of doing things. Like I just reacted in immediately without thinking, you know? Mm. And like, so there, I genuinely believe that there is value in this book. It just wasn't presented to me in a way that I was comfortable with. <laughs> yeah it wasn't and then you made it worse <laughs> and then I, and then i made it worse and, and so i do <laughs> with the replication crisis i do just want to follow up just a couple of things that i think were interesting um for like after the show and what happened about the book not just that oh now the universe is tossing up the replication crisis again and so a bunch of um like writers and podcasters i follow are also talking about it because of the dan Ariely thing which i could just say is an interesting case of there's a question of did this major researcher fabricate data and who knows if it's true i don't know if it's true i haven't looked into it that much but it doesn't matter to me because it still gets to the heart of the replication crisis where one of the most high profile researchers 
no one tried to replicate his results for 10 years mm -hmm. and it just stood as a thing where people are like oh it's true yeah it must be true and it's also like it doesn't matter whether he lied someone will yes someone you know somebody's going to because they're yes. human beings yeah ex exactly um you you have to know that uh when people's careers depend on publishing papers that other people cite there is going to be an incentive to make interesting citable papers which does not always align with the incentive of accurately describing how the world works. Mm -hmm. So if you can write a paper that you know will, one, get a lot of attention, and that two, people in your field will love and want to link to, there's a big incentive to write that paper, even if it's not based on anything. But so just a couple little things I just want to mention uh, that happened since the book was published that I just, I think are great, and then we could just kind of close this forever. But so... Where is the link? I stumbled upon, there's a great blog post that tries to summarize a whole bunch of the replicability of Kahneman's work. Oh yeah, there it is. So it's this uh, replication, replicabilityindex.com wrote this article a couple of years ago called Reconstruction of a Train Wreck, How Priming Research Went Off the Rails. Oh my God, that title. <laughs> so it's an interesting article. I won't, we'll put it in the show notes. I won't go through all of this, but just uh, a couple of things that are interesting to point out. So the title actually comes from Kahneman. So my guess about this book being published right at the end of when it was possible to publish this book looks like it was correct because the year after it came out, when people had lots of suspicions about these sorts of studies being replicable, Kahneman wrote an open email to his colleagues who had done a bunch of this work. And I think this quote from this email is astounding. So I'm just going to read this. This is from Kahneman in an open email. As all of you know, of course, questions have been raised about the robustness of priming results. Your field is now the poster child for doubts about the integrity of psychological research. People have now attached a question mark to the field, and it is your responsibility to remove it. All I have personally at stake is that I recently wrote a book that emphasizes priming research as a new approach to the study of associative memory. Count me as a general believer. My reason for writing this letter is that I see a train wreck looming. So that's where the title of this article comes from. Do you not think it might have been your fault then? I mean, I think that is a very interestingly worded open yeah. email and it is worth i think the quote here it looks like it has been in this blog post because there's a lot of ellipses has been like chopped up yeah, yeah. it is a, it is a chopped up quote yeah. which is fair to say but i still think like the basic sentences there mm -hmm. are conveying a certain idea mm -hmm. that kahneman has reinforced at later points in time but so it's this really interesting thing that goes through and tries to talk about what is the replicability of the studies that are in the book and the bottom line is the researcher comes up with this score of a replicability index where you can say, oh, if a paper scores below 50, it means that it was probably the result is by chance. And the average score of the studies cited in the book is 14. It's a 1 to 100 scale. It's brutal. Like some of the specific studies are scored at like 6, which is like you can say, oh, it's almost certain that this will never replicate <laughs> okay this is this is a little complicated for, i think for me to get my head around but basically what you're saying is you have a score of up to 100 right imagine yeah. it's like a, a, a math test or whatever 
and Kahneman's work scored 14 out of 100. Yeah, well, again, it's not his work. It's it's the things that are being cited in the book. Uh, the things that he is showing in Thinking Fast and Slow. Yeah. Is that what he's saying? Yes. You're trying to do a statistical analysis which says you can use a combination of things. You can say, what is the strength of the effect that you're trying to measure? So if an effect is very strong, you should be able to measure it with fewer people. And then they're saying, you know, what is the number of people that you studied to this effect on? So you, you can use those numbers to, to come up with a rough, how replicable might this be at all kind mm. of score. And so this is a little bit of what I was talking about last time, where you just like people who are not good at math don't make it in the physical sciences, but you can make it in the social sciences. It's really interesting. So anyway, this article goes through this whole thing. It is, there's no other way to describe it. It's brutal. Like the description of the studies and the likelihood of them replicating is brutal. The number of them that have never been attempted to be replicated, it's it's absolutely awful. Mm. But what's really interesting is that Kahneman himself actually replied to this thing. He leaves a comment at the bottom. And so here's his remark on it. What this blog post gets absolutely right is that I placed too much faith in underpowered studies. As pointed out in the blog, there is a special irony in my mistake because the first paper that I published was about the belief in the law of small numbers, which allows researchers to trust the results of underpowered studies with unreasonably small sample sizes. I failed to internalize this message. So Kahneman here does admit and does say that like, oh yeah, Tons of the studies uh, have tiny sample sizes, so they can't possibly be measuring measuring what they claim to be measuring. But it still ends in this weird way. So he's now talking about chapters three and four. He says, clearly the experimental evidence for the ideas I presented uh, were significantly weaker than I believed when I wrote it. This was simply an error. I knew all I needed to know to moderate my enthusiasm for the surprising and elegant findings that I cited, but I did not think it through. I am still attached to every study that I cited and have not unbelieved them. I would be happy to see each of them replicated in a large sample size. The lesson I have learned, however, is that authors who review a field should be wary of using memorable results of underpowered studies as evidence for their claims. So I just think it's like, oof. <laughs> Here's what I don't understand. Uh-huh. So this was in 2017. Mm-hmm. Why is the book still being sold unaltered? That's what I want to know. If he believes this now, why is there now not at least an updated forward from Kahneman where he explains that? Where it's like, this is the book that I wrote then. Since then, some of the examples have been called into doubt. I still believe everything that you're about to read. You know what I mean? Like, Because he's saying here he stands by it, which, respect to him, right? Stand by your work if you believe in it and you still want to make money from it, right? Like, if you think it should be sold still, you have to stand by it, and he's doing that, and that's fine, right? Mm. But I didn't know any of this when I started reading Thinking Fast and Slow. So I'm buying the book yeah. and believing what he has to say. And it wouldn't bother me if he did that, right? Like, if there was a new forward, and it was like, this was written a long time ago, this is what I knew back then, or believed to mm -hmm. know back then, I stand by everything. Mm -hmm. But the validity of some of these experiments has been called into question yeah you know because this is what i'm what i wanted to get across like i have no issue if that's the case because it doesn't bother me 
And what I would prefer is if he just explained these things that he believes, these conclusions that he's drawn, mm-hmm. in a human-to-human way. Mm-hmm. But the problem with the book, I'll say it again, all he wants to do is tell me about the experiments, the science of what he's done as a way to prove the conclusions that he draws. Mm. And so I'm only more annoyed now (laughs) because in 2017, he was like, oh, I'm not so sure about this anymore, but it's 2021 and I can still give him money for his book. Yeah, that that's the thing that I, uh, going through this and, and reading his responses, they're carefully worded sentences, mm-hmm. but I was surprised that the current editions of the book make absolutely no reference to this. And like, I am not, sa- like, I'm not saying the book shouldn't be sold, right? Like, oh, burn the book, take it off yeah, the yeah, shelf. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not right? saying that either, yeah. But I feel like there should be some kind of reference to this. Mm-hmm. That just seems so strange to me that the author publicly says it. That's the part that's weird. People saying, like, that blog post existing doesn't make me feel like Kahneman needs to update the book. Right. But if Kahneman will say it if you ask him, (laughs) right, why doesn't he tell me? Right. This is the interesting thing. Like, people can criticize other people's ideas all the time, and the originator of the ideas cannot necessarily agree or whatever. But this is a case where it's like, oh, this brutal takedown of the work, and the author's like, I agree. Although, comma, I don't unbelieve my ideas still, and I would love to see them replicated. Like, yeah, of course you would. Of course course you'd love to see them replicated. Believe them as much as you like, right? Yeah, but to conclude with like the lesson I have learned is that authors who review a field should be wary of using memorable results of underpowered studies as evidence for their claim, and that clearly the experimental evidence for the ideas I presented in the chapter were significantly weaker than I believed when I wrote it. Like, maybe take out that sentence of Mm. disbelief is not an option, the results are not made up, nor are they statistical flukes, you have no choice but to accept that the major conclusions of these studies are true. It's brutal. Got him. Like, <laughs> got him. <laughs> it's brutal. It that really is incredible is. to put those two things next to each other. And again, it's like this wouldn't be fair. I feel like this wouldn't be fair if we were taking this from like a blog post he wrote in 2015 mm-hmm. and said like, "Hey, look, you said this back then. How can you? Because I be- like I believe people can change their views. Mm-hmm. But if you've changed your view." And you sell a product, you gotta up, you gotta change, you gotta make an amendment to the book. Yeah, like I've been seeing this book in every airport I've ever gone to in a prominent place for years. I'm sure I'm gonna see it when I get to the airport in a couple of days. Like there, it's gonna be thinking fast and slow. That's like, why we did this book. Out. We had to pick one, and we've mm-hmm. seen it everywhere forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and considering he just published a new book. You've got to assume that they're reprinting this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why. That's this. This is wild to me. This is <laughs> wild to me. You know, again, we're not trying to do a takedown here of someone. Again, like we, it's it's such a weird position to be in because if we keep saying like, I actually agree with the fundamental thesis of the book on like in almost every general way. <laughs> System one and two is so good. It's so good. It's so clever. 
It's like just a great way of encapsulating something. And if yeah. like this was Thinking Fast and Slow by like Stephen Levy, right? Mm-hmm. Or he's not pretending to be a scientist, we would have come away from it and been like, great. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just a, it's such a weird thing of like, oh, there's a lot of work that says humans aren't perfect economic rational decision makers. Like, yeah, I'm right behind you on that, mm-hmm. dude. Having done a lot of research, it sure seems like Kahneman is, is right at the heart of this replication crisis. And it's like sort of going along with it. Yeah. But- weirdly chooses to be <laughs> as well. Like makes choices in his life to be a part of it, which is very peculiar to me yeah it's the whole thing is very strange so anyway i felt like because we had such an impassioned conversation about that book and because all of this stuff happened and then like finding out the author's own comments on afterwards it just felt like it had to be brought up again as Mm -hmm. boy you can do a lot of interesting reading about thinking fast and slow after you read the book thinking fast and slow (laughs) it's very strange (laughs) and i guess we'll see how this this conversation goes on reddit i guess <laughs> yeah see you on reddit man i wasn't expecting us to get this fired up again this <laughs> fucking book man it's gonna be the bane of our existence i'm telling you that this episode of cortex is brought to you by squarespace the all-in-one platform to help you build your online presence and run your business Squarespace have got you covered with everything from websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics to domain name registration, SEO, email marketing. They really have it all. They can give you everything that you're going to need to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. By combining cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, you have everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You start with one of their professionally designed templates, which can be used for so many things, from making a portfolio, publishing your next blog post, promoting your business, announcing an event or even having your own store and then you can use drag and drop tools to make it feel like your own you customize the look and feel the settings even the products you have on sale with just a few clicks and every squarespace website is optimized for mobile so your content's going to look fantastic on any device you also get award-winning 24-7 customer support, so if you need any help, they're right there for you. And one of my personal favorite things is there's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. This is the kind of stuff that I don't want to ever have to deal with when I'm putting something online. And this is one of my very favorite things about Squarespace, is they make the process of starting a website so simple. Go to squarespace.com cortex and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, you just use the offer code cortex and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com cortex. And then when you sign up, use the offer code cortex and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. And you'll be showing your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of Cortex and Relay FM. Okay, so we are still in September. We know that to be true mm-hmm. in our out of time time. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and for the third consecutive year, Relay FM is supporting the life-saving mission of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, and that is finding cures and saving children. Why do we do this? Well, for almost 60 years, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital has been on the front lines of research, care, and treatment of childhood cancer. Treatments invented at St. Jude have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80% since opening. They just flipped it. With one in five children not surviving, though, St. Jude is not going to stop until no child dies from cancer, but they need our support. So, 
This September, you can help Relay FM surpass over $1 million raised for the kids of St. Jude during our third annual Relay FM for St. Jude fundraising campaign. Honestly, Gray, by the time this episode goes out, we might have gotten there to that million. I hope so. It's an incredible number. Right now, we have raised, we just went up as I opened the page, $174,174.11 is where we are today. Right. We need to get to 196 to raise a million over the three years. So I feel somewhat confident that by the time people are listening to this episode, we have surpassed that $1 million. And if that is the case, I cannot express how grateful I am to our audience for making that happen. A million dollars is just an incredible sum of money. And for everyone to come together over these last three years to donate that to St. Jude is, I genuinely mean this, one of the greatest accomplishments of my professional career. That I have, we consider this like every year to be so important, but like, I love what I do. I love that I get to do this stuff. To be able to be a part of making a change to donate to an an institution like this one, mm-hmm. it kind of is like a weird way of like, makes all of this kind of worth it. Mm-hmm. It's, it gives me these incredible feelings every year. It's why we love doing the podcast-a-thon as well, because it's like, that is like a focused time, right? Like we do this for like a six-week period every year, but on that day, it's all it is, you know? Like my entire day is talking about St. Jude, watching videos about St. Jude, interviewing doctors. We interview patients. Like that's where this this incredible focus is. And I mean, last year we raised $100,000 during the podcast. Mm. I have no idea what's going to happen this time. I would love to beat it. So by the way, tune in on September 17th at twitch.tv slash RelayFM and like help us beat that. Like because... We get to compete against ourselves every year while at the same time raising an incredible amount of money for an incredible charity. Yeah, it's, it's a good way to compete against yourself. And yeah, it's pretty good. I also just think it speaks to the generosity and the caring of the audience. Yeah. Like, it, it really is just astounding how much is given. Like, I would never have guessed these kinds of numbers. No. So, again, thank you so much to the audience for, so much. for donating to this. It's, it's really incredible. And if you want to donate and help us continue to set goals and milestones, go to stjude.org slash relay. If you donate more than $100 in a single gift, you will receive an exclusive Relay FM sticker of thanks pack at the end of the campaign. And if your company matches charitable donations, that can be added into our total. So just send us an email. Go, just email Stephen at relay.fm. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N at relay.fm with just the receipt of your company donation and we can add that into our total as well. So that would be great. And also if you didn't know that, check if your company matches charitable donations because they might and then that's right. more money that goes to St. Jude. Yeah. Double your effectiveness with one question. Exactly. Do you a charity match? That's <laughs> yes. all you need to ask. And then you can double it, which is an incredible thing. And that it's a big thing for us. Like we're lucky to have a lot of people in our audience that work for a lot of tech focused companies and a lot of tech focused companies do this and it helps us raise even more money. So thank you so much if you have donated and thank you so much if you will go to stjude.org slash relay. Let's cure childhood cancer together. 
You're a busy man, Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. Again, I, I, every every September, I feel the same way. I just, I don't know how you do all the things that you do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel it. I, especially like I've got this little thing in the back of my mind, which is like yearly theme. Yeah, no, year, yearly themes are coming up. I, I feel that way too. I've started an Apple note and I started writing some things down. Ooh, I mean, and I feel intriguing. like I always get to this point if I start it right now where I'm like, less work, <laughs> you know, <laughs> next year, less commitments, you know, I feel like <laughs> I write that every time. But when I then sit down to actually think about it, I'm like, I can't let go of anything. Who knows what's going to happen next year? No spoilers. But that's coming up mm-hmm. soon, right? Like we have three more episodes this year after this one. Mm-hmm. And State of the Apps in November, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. I'm actually really excited about State of the Apps this year because I've been doing a lot of things differently that I haven't spoken about and I've been holding Ooh. it. And people keep asking me, what is that app on your iPhone? Like if I share my home screen, I'm like, I'm not telling you because I'm waiting for State of the Apps. Ooh, very exciting. And yearly themes, obviously I'm excited about that. But like I'm preparing for those now. Like the other day I redownloaded the episodes because I like to listen to previous years because mm. I'm getting ready. So it's, it is kind of wild to think that like there's three more episodes yeah, for the year, I can't believe how fast this year has gone. It, no, it's it's absolutely shocking. It's it's also why I've had yearly themes whispering in the back of my brain too, uh-huh. because it it feels like, wait, didn't we, ju- we just did that? Is has it been a year? No, it can't possibly have been. So you're finally gonna set a theme around the same time as me, because usually you get them <laughs> in the summer, but this one's creeped up on you. <laughs> yeah, what summer? There was no summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just true. that swamp I've been trudging through <laughs> miserably. <laughs> but obviously with yearly themes, the, one of the other things I'm working on right now is preparing preparing for journals. Mm. I mean, our expectation is yearly theme setting time will always be our biggest time of the year for journals. That's how it's been so far. I mean, we can assume it's probably going to be that way. That is the expectation. That is the assumption. But it it doesn't help when, once again, we have to have conversations about, but how much are you willing to bet on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had our meeting before the show today. Yeah. And we were talking about stock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going over paper shortages <laughs> again. And we have we have right now... More in stock than we have sold for this entire year in preparation for the beginning of the year, which logically would suggest we're going to be okay, Mm -hmm. but we have no way of knowing. And that is so terrifying because we're making bets with our money, right? Like... It's really like, uh, this is, I find Cortex brand so exciting, mm-hmm. but also so intimidating. Yes, I, com- I completely agree. <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking when we were having our conversation about like, oh, the, the details about stock levels and how much money to spend on various things. I realized that with our first product, we accidentally wandered into a seasonal business, mm-hmm. the most terrifying of businesses to try to run. Which it's just like, it's just the nature of the thing that lots more people are going to buy a thing about starting your yearly theme in December and January. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, oh my god, for seasonal businesses, you think, oof, it's terrifying having to make these decisions. Because it takes multiple years to try and understand. Mm -hmm. Because like for any pattern, you have to go through it a bunch of times, right? But if your pattern is once a year, (laughs) it takes a long time to understand what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're in that kind of... uh, kind of mode right now plus i mean plus i think it's pretty fair to say that we have gotten a little punch drunk in the idea of creating products yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I like behind the scenes listeners i messaged mike like a week ago like hey guess like you know like i woke up oh my god listen you need to make this thing here's what we're gonna do (laughs) because we have learned how to do things like Mm -hmm. now we can't stop doing mm-hmm. things so right now we are obviously working on our journal stock we have an accessory that we're working mm-hmm. on and a brand new product plus now we're now as of today and we're going to start working on another one mm-hmm. and we don't really know when these things are going to be available like i had hoped i could maybe try and do it all by the end of the year gray told yeah. me that that was the method of a uh, madman yeah, I was, I was like, veto on that. If you think all of this stuff is going to be done by the end of the year, you are a madman. Like, And mm-hmm. that's a terrible idea. No. <laughs> so, but I'm work- we're working on stuff. And I actually want to try something out that we've not done before. And this is, okay. This is weird for us because long-time listeners will know that me, especially Gray, are very cagey about talking about things that aren't real yet. Mm-hmm. Right? So... You know, like when Gray will talk about a video, he won't tell you what it is until it's done. And I'm somewhat similar and have been with these products, right? I have been very hesitant to talk about changes that we're making and things that we're working on. You know, initially, I was pretty hesitant to talk about how many would sold, all that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. I just, I, I feel like I've, that's kind of like the area where I've come from. Like you kind of keep it to yourself until you're ready to share it. And I think a lot of that stuff comes in like software and technology, you know, which is where I kind of come from. Like you don't talk about what you're working on until Mm. it is a real thing. But in other areas that I follow, people talk more about what they're working on. And we've done a little bit of that on the show, but I want to get a bit more kind of visual with it. So we have an Instagram account. It's at Cortex Brand is our Instagram account. And I am going to start now posting more behind-the-scenes stuff of products that we're working on, ideas that we have, and just see if people are interested in that. So if you like hearing us talk about this kind of stuff, maybe you would also appreciate that. So that's going to be on the at Cortex Brand Instagram account. So maybe that accessory new product that I was talking about, uh, you might see some stuff about that. It also brings up an interesting point because obviously we're running Cortex Brand together. And this is one of these cases where people don't always agree on everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't agree with you on this. No. So Mike is a big proponent of this idea. And as the other person involved in this, I view the Instagram showing the behind the scenes stuff as a total waste of time and energy. (laughs) Fair enough. I'll tell you why I want to do it. Because I feel like 
if I do this, there'll be a couple of things happening. One, I will get to talk more and crystallize my ideas more, which I appreciate, which I always mm. value doing when we talk, but just in general. The other is, if I can get feedback that's valuable before I send something to print, that will right. be good for me. Now, I'll say, like, I'm sure I'm going to get lots of feedback, but I'm not going to consider it all valuable. Our products are, opi- we have, they come from our opinions, right? And... People want to do things in different ways. However, what I do know is journal version one to journal version two picked up a lot of changes based on feedback from people that used it. And Mm. I'm wondering if maybe people seeing stuff, they might be like, hey, does it do this? Or hey, why don't you do that? And there might be the occasional thing where I'm like, you know what? Great idea. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. And I like this. I like this as well for talking about on the show because... It is rare that we will do something if the two of us don't agree on it. But this isn't one of those things where, like, I'm going rogue. Gray doesn't think it's a great idea, but he has no problem in me doing it. Yeah, and this is what I mean by, I think it's it's sort of an interesting point about working with someone where it's like, yeah, I, I do very strongly think it is a waste of time and energy to do the behind-the-scenes stuff on the Instagram. But it's also not a place where I'm going to go, like, I hard veto this, right? Like, this is not like, your energy, <laughs> is it either? You yeah. know, it's, I waste my energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, ha- I don't have to do it. Like, which certainly helps. Uh, if I had to be involved in it more directly, I'd be like, no, that's lol, that's not going to happen. I think it's a waste of time. But it's also one of these cases where I also have to acknowledge you are way more connected into this world than I am, mm-hmm. and so it's very possible that I'm wrong. And so that's why I'm like, give it a give it a try. See if it works. See if you find it effective. See if people like it and see if it translates directly into sales. Again, I'm doubtful about that, but it's not a strong enough thought that it would make sense to say no. And it is also not the area that I am the expert in. So mm-hmm. I guess if you want to prove me wrong and Mike right, go follow <laughs> Cortex Brand on Instagram. I'll be I'm like genuinely curious to see how this goes and, and what you try to do with it. But yeah, I don't know. My my default position is still, you know, talk about things when you have an action for people to perform, which is like you can pre-order it right now at, at the very least. And I don't like talking about stuff before yep. there's an action for the person to take but well i agree with you to a point mm-hmm. which is that i believe that we have a stages of places where we can tell people to do something and mm-hmm. like there is more people that listen to this show than will follow the instagram account right yes yeah so my thinking is on the show we don't really talk about upcoming products until they're ready yes because this is the largest audience so well and then you know even greater if you promote one of our products on your youtube channel the biggest possible audience right you know i feel like there's a stage like if you show something on the youtube channel it's completed and available right on this show we sometimes tease that we're working on something like we just have but then on the instagram we'll actually show you some of it Mm -hmm. and so it's like this staging of depending on how interested you are you can tune in at any one of those points and then make to mm-hmm. decide to make your purchasing decision either with your YouTube channel, it's immediately available. With our show, it's available or it might be coming soon. Mm-hmm. In the Instagram account, this might never happen, but we're working on it and maybe in six <laughs> months you'll get it. That's how right. I think of it. Here's the design prototype on the Instagram. Yeah, and then it kind of like goes forward from there. And 
it's about how how engaged are you with what we're doing here and you can choose as a listener at any point in that process if you just want to just like i ah, don't tell me about it until it's done mm-hmm. you're in the right spot already but if you are intrigued mm-hmm. about what it's like to try and do this stuff then you can go there and you can get it which is why sometimes as well like we've had some of some more detailed conversations in mortex yeah because people that want to pay for more for the show are naturally more interested i feel like and so we've had some more details about upcoming stuff in Mortex. So it's like, that's the stage. So I guess it would go YouTube channel, Cortex, Mortex, at Cortex brand Instagram. Right. That's how I view it. TikTok? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. You know, have you ever, have you, have you ever played around with TikTok? No, I've, I, I've, I have not looked at the talk and how oh it ticks. So no. I've literally never even seen the app, so I'm I'm very out of touch with TikTok. But I hear all the kids love it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I <laughs> why do you, why do you sound so sad about that? I'm not sad about it. I'm not sad about it. I, I don't want to to like age myself out, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do feel like it's maybe just not the not the social network or not the app I need right now. Mm-hmm. So. I'm very much like a, a subscription box person, you know? And that's exactly not what TikTok is. What TikTok wants to do is just serve you more content based on an algorithm. And I mm-hmm. understand the algorithm is very good and like will show you the things that you like because you just engage with what you do and don't. I get it. But I'm very much like a, I have subscriptions on YouTube and I save the things I want to watch to my watch later. Like I'm very particular about Mm. that. Like I never watch videos from the YouTube homepage. Mm. I don't care about the YouTube homepage, you know? Right. So no promotions on TikTok then. (laughs) Not yet. I I want, you know, you never rule it out, but uh, no TikTok for now. This episode is brought to you by FitBod, the fitness app that provides a personalized exercise plan, a fitness plan that actually fits you. Because when it comes to fitness, FitBod believes everyone can be better, whether you're working out a couple of days a week or maybe a couple of times a day. It doesn't matter because FitBod's algorithm uses data and analytics to help you build on your previous workout so that your next is scientifically proven to be better. FitBod has been fine-tuned by certified personal trainers to bring the very best of strength training to you. And every single exercise Exercise that's inside of FitBod has videos from these trainers showing you how they're done. This is something that I absolutely love. When I'm starting a new exercise or a new routine, I want to see someone do it and see how it's done. I get instructions, but I also want to see an example so I can compare as to how I'm doing it too. Your workout program in FitBod will be tailored exactly to meet your own needs. This makes it perfectly suited to your unique body, experience, environment, and goals. Because it can be hard to know exactly how much you should be doing while exercising, so FitBod figures that out for you, so you don't have to worry about under or overtraining, and it's also going to mix up your muscle groups, exercises, sets, reps, and weight over time. This is going to keep you in top form while also making sure that you're staying on the right path for you to help you take the steps that you want to become a better version of yourself. If you're at home right now, FitBod has a bunch of bodyweight-only workouts. These are really great. They're perfect for indoors or outdoors. But if you have access to a gym or gym equipment, they have tons of options there for you too. It doesn't matter what you have or where you are. They have everything that you're going to need. FitBod is there to help you with making your own exercise routine. 
FitBod is available on iOS and Android, and you can get started right now by going to fitbod.me slash Cortex. That's where you'll also get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod, F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash Cortex to try it out for free and get 25% off your FitBod membership. Our thanks to FitBod for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So we spoke about what I have got going on or what we have got going on, but what about what you have got going on. Is there anything else we can use to just date this episode even more? Because it's the best thing to do with an episode at a time. No. <laughs> no? No? You've given up. <laughs> That's it for you? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't want I've to. I've, I've, I have never been more over a project than, than the thing that I'm finishing up right now. Okay. For listeners in the future, they will know that uh, th- this video, from my perspective, is going up in three days, come hell or high water. Okay. Like, I do not care. Right. <laughs> There's no choice. Okay. <laughs> I have, I've picked poorly for the last several topics, and uh, the thing that I'm, I'm just wrapping up is this, this video about trying to track down where did a poem come from and uh this is sort of a like a a follow-up or like a parallel video to the one that i did about the origin of the name tiffany and this this is a little bit like i don't know i guess like a spin-off video of like here's a related thing it's not really the main thing but i've watched it or at least a version of it and it felt yeah. like an expanded entertainment focused behind the scenes video yeah yeah so that, this this is part of the problem with this project like it's it's one of the reasons why i've just been very unhappy with this because mm-hmm. it's like okay so i created when i do a main video i now do these director's commentaries for the more complicated ones where i can talk about a bunch of the behind the scenes stuff and i'd originally thought that okay well there there ended up being this interesting thing trying to track down where did this one poem that mentions this name come from and i was like oh i should probably talk about that in the director's commentary this is perfect but i realized like it's just too complicated of a story to try to be able to tell off the cuff like even if i were to try to describe it to someone now you know like when when you're doing a bad job telling a story and you go like oh no wait but there's there's this part this happened before like that happened later it's very hard to do so, like an idiot, I told myself, what I'll just do is I'm just going to make a casual video where I talk through, here's a more complicated behind the scenes bit about the research. And of course, I say like an idiot because I'm not really capable of writing things casually. Like it's, it's very rare that I'm actually able to do it. And so it just morphed and morphed and morphed over into this from my perspective a horrible frankenstein's monster of is this a video that's just like casual extra information behind the scenes or is this a main video and it's kind of neither and i, mean, I hate it <laughs> it's like feature length for you it's like 20 minutes long right yeah i'm i'm going to tr- i'm trying to get that as close to 15 as i can but yeah the current cut is like 18 and a half yeah. minutes which is I think it's the second longest thing I've ever made. I mean, you know me though. Like, I liked this more than the name video. 
Oh, okay. That's that's okay. So I, I haven't heard you say anything about it, but that's, yeah, I didn't that's give you any feedback to on it to just realize this is your feedback. I like it. I like this one more. This is more my thing. This type of like, hmm. you. I love it when you get worked up, right? <laughs> you get real worked up in this one, and I I really enjoy the mix of uh, you and the animation. There's a, there's mm. a lot of like backwards and forwards, like you're going out and like tracking down the information in these incredibly old books. Like mm-hmm. I like it. It's it's interesting to hear. I like I have no perspective on this project. I I'm kind of just assuming that it's going to really bomb on the channel. Like oh maybe the like the core audience will really love this kind of thing. But I understand that feeling. It doesn't have the thing because it's about yeah. a thing. It's not the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I understand. This depends on it depends on two things. You've watched the main video and you're also a viewer who has some sense of who I am, mm. which uh, like as we've talked about, I think quite easily 80% of the audience of my YouTube videos doesn't really have a sense of who I am as a person or like even that there is a person behind these videos. So I think it just has two brutal strikes against it right from the start. So I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being one of the real bombs on the channel uh, and, and really struggles in terms of view numbers for something that's animated. We'll see. But it is also just like I've totally lost perspective. I, I think there is no other time other than like the end of quarantine where this video would have happened. And I, I feel like I feel like this has some real going crazy and quarantine vibes in it mm-hmm. of like i just spent so much time on this thing and uh it's awful <laughs> it's just... well this is kind of the perfect video for this episode because you're not sure about it and you don't think it's going to do well and by the yeah. time this episode comes out people will already know the answer to that question perfect yeah exactly people will know as it is currently i'm in i'm in the stage where <laughs> it's this frustrating stage where the video is assembled enough that i can show people like i could send you a link and be like oh hey here's a preview of the video and most people i know go oh great you should like when are you going to put it up you should just put it up right now and i go no no i have I have three or four more days of making a thousand tiny changes that that to this thing. I mean, I will say it to you right now. I don't know why you don't just put it up right now. Like, there's see, I don't see yeah, any reason why you says. wouldn't put it up right now. <laughs> that's what everybody says. But Mike, you don't understand all of the changes I have to make. <laughs> there's just a sea of changes. <laughs> no one, must be made. No one ever does. Like <laughs> it. Like all all joking aside, there will probably be. I mean, considering very small things, but like 400 changes between now and when I actually publish it in terms of like tiny little things to adjust. Well, look, as somebody who shares editing projects with you, I'm not surprised about that. <laughs> yeah. Because so. I see some of the things that you tweak. And I'm like, you didn't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, Mike. I did need to do that. None of I them matter. I can assure you that breath was in the right place before. <laughs> no, it wasn't in the right place before. <laughs> You've done this to me, though. What do you mean? This. Oh, oh. You've right. affected I've infected me. you. Yeah. Because this <laughs> leaks out into all my. It's why I have to edit less now. Mm-hmm. Because I just cannot edit the same way that I used to. Yeah. I yeah. C- it, no it, matter it what I tell head. myself, if I'm getting into it, it's not going to be quick. And this is what I mean by like an idiot. I thought, oh, I'm just going to casually explain this complicated thing, and somehow thought. 
oh, I'm, I'm, I really thought, oh, I can sit down over the space of a couple of days and just write a rough script and, mm-hmm. and then just, and then just record it. And I don't have to, don't have to be really complicated about it. Like I have done this sometimes, but it's just very rare. And this was the wrong topic for it because there's just so many things involved. It's like, dude, you should have known you were going to do like a hundred drafts on this thing. And I know I say this a lot, but it it does feel like this is just a terrible use of my time. (laughs) But I also, I'm like, when it will be up, I'll be happy because I really do feel like I'm going to be closing the door Mm. on this weird end of quarantine time Mm -hmm. that has been miserable for me for a bunch of reasons. And this, this, even though I don't love this video, it does feel like, okay, goodbye this period of time like this is over i'm never gonna think about these things again so yeah anyway uh that's the that's the video that's going to be that will have gone up by the time this cortex podcast goes up for sure definitely no doubt oh no there is no doubt (laughs) no doubt (laughs) you know it's funny to me really as somebody who is so clearly very aware of themselves it surprises me that you get surprised about how long this project's going to take yes <laughs> that yes that is that is true there isn't really an answer to this it no, just no, no, is no. what it is you know it is what it is it's interesting because i knew that i wanted to have something for early september because of the travel and just against you know psychologically if, if you make things even though my channel isn't uploaded to super frequently you just feel bad when it's been a while since you've uploaded a video and i was looking into you know my end of the year plans and i thought man i know from experience that travel really impacts the ability to finish videos like i can still do quite a lot of writing work but all of the stuff that needs to happen to finish the video just really at this point requires like i'm at my home office with my equipment and able to do a bunch of things yep so I was like, if I don't get something out before I leave, I'm going to just feel really guilty and miserable the entire time that I'm traveling. Because then it will just have been too long. It'll be like two months since the last video went up. And then that can that can easily start to creep into three when you feel bad. And it's like, oh, no, I want to avoid that. So I knew that like come hell or high water, there's a video early September. And... I also thought like, okay, I got to sit down and think about this. I've done a terrible job picking topics. And I think some of those topics in retrospect have properties to them, which are foreseeable in the future. Like, oh, okay. Stuff that involves ongoing legal situations with people who are alive. Don't be surprised if that's really messy. Yep. Or, oh, hey, history. You know the topic that you hate because everything is uncertain? It's never going to be fast, buddy. It just isn't because you're incapable of reading a book that says something happened in the past without having to also find out where is the source for this claim. Like, that's just something I can't do. And and that's why I can't really read those books because it drives me crazy. I should have known this, but I just didn't. I like willfully sort of ignored this and and plunged headfirst into these topics. But knowing that I was thinking about this and 
after the last main video went up, I thought, okay, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to pick a topic that I can reasonably bet will be done in a shorter amount of time. And if I'm thinking about it, if I'm very consciously selecting the topics, I know the properties that are helpful. These are things I've talked about before, like constrainedness is a really useful property where like this topic can't spill over into other areas. There's some reason why it naturally fits into a little box. Like the video about which planet is the closest is very constrained as a topic. The better boarding methods is like very constrained as a topic. And so I tried to pick something to work on that genuinely would be a fast and easy video that I could do in under a month so I could have something in early September. Now, the spoiler here is that I was wrong and I failed in that task. But this, like, I've always talked about this idea of like trend lines are the thing that you want to focus on. You don't want to focus on success or failure as the metric, like which direction are you going in? And so the topic that I gave myself two weeks to write after the Tiffany video, I didn't finish it in that period of time, but it is also very clear, like this was way better in the right direction. Mm -hmm. This topic was, I mean, I could, I could literally say one one hundredth the amount of work easily. I just still missed the mark of, let me try to pick something that I think I can write in two weeks. And I was wrong. But I wasn't wrong by a lot. I think that would have actually been a month-long project okay. if I had spent all the time on it. As opposed to uh, this thing, which is a six-month project that's going up right now. Oh, so there's another one that isn't done, but is better than what you're uploading about the poem. Yeah, so the poem project, looking from like, when did it originally start is six months from start to finish where like what's right. the original version of this to it's getting uploaded okay my original idea was like oh okay i'm working on this thing in the poem but i'll have it later in the year i won't try to have it for september so i was trying to pick a easier project to do before the poem for the beginning of september and this and this is where i failed but i'm still pleased because like the trend line is in the right direction like i did a much better job of picking something that was constrained and that wouldn't explode all over the place. Mm -hmm. It's just because of my requirement to put something up before I went traveling that after two weeks, I had to look at it and make the call and be like, okay, what is the probability that you'll be able to completely finish this by the beginning of September versus spending the next two weeks to finish this poem thing, even though in theory you want to upload it later in the year. And it's like, I had to make the call of like, if I want something for September, I've got to finish the poem. So all of this is just to say, I think, and I'm really, really going to focus on it for the next few videos. I think I can be better at picking projects that won't explode in every possible direction. If the trade-off is like, I have to not just let... 100% pure interest drive like oh which way is the wind blowing today it's like yes. no no you've got to focus on like constrainedness at least for a little while mm -hmm. I, I, I do like doing big crazy projects but 
two slash three in a row, particularly at this time of year, has really just killed me. So I've got to change things up for the next couple months at least. Seems like it could be incorporated into a theme there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see, I suppose. Got a little bit of time left. We'll see. I have actually, before we go today, one hashtag ask Quartex question that I felt like would be the perfect time to ask. Okay. This comes from Hunter. When you fly, do you prefer the window (laughs) or aisle seat? If you need to get up, would you want to be the one asking other people to get up or the one who's subject to the asks of others? Oh, my God. I have literally changed planes, changed my entire flying schedule around the ability to get an aisle seat. Like it, for, for me, it is very close psychologically of if I have to have a window seat, I find it so uncomfortable. I will do almost anything to fly at a different time. Mm-hmm. Window seats, it's, it's awful. I, I, cannot, I cannot deal with it. I have to be able to get up whenever I want and not be trapped in the window seat. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, because it's reasonable. <laughs> I'm aisle all the way. I don't, if I'm in a window seat, I feel pretty claustrophobic. I feel it's like awful. I'm trapped in. I have no problem being asked to move because also I never want to ask someone to move. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind being asked to move because then I don't need to ask anybody. <laughs> Yes, so I I can and do plan travel around getting aisle seats, 100%. Very important. (laughs) 